Hello and welcome to another Dairy Dialogue podcast, this being number 51, although we are well into our second year now because we didn't have any podcasts over the Christmas period last year and I think I missed a couple from being at events. I could probably look up when the first one was, but that would take a bit of effort. I'm Jim Cornall, editor of Dairy Reporter, and on Podcast 51 we have two features, one of them with three people, which generally fills me with a bit of fear from a technical point of view, but it was fine. The three people are all from SIG, and they were talking about the Cartons for Good project in Bangladesh. It's always nice to have stories on the good that people are doing. First thing I do every morning when I wake up is read the news and almost always wish that I hadn't bothered. It's one of those things where I think I should just stick to the sports news but then it wouldn't be right to ignore all of the other news that's happening. As well as that interview, we also talked to Melissa Fryer from Alpha Laval about the company's participation in Process Expo which is coming up soon in Chicago, Illinois. And, of course, we have our weekly look at the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton from INTL FC Stone. So what happened this week? Well, in these parts there was proof for about eight minutes that the sky is indeed blue, and I was busy filling in expense forms for trips, and wondering why all the airlines have such different check-in procedures. I've already got boarding passes for three legs of a four-leg trip later in the year, but the fourth airline, it's only 48 hours before. And for my trip to Germany soon, I've checked in for the outward flight, but can't check in for the return until I'm actually on the plane, when I'll be in flight mode, listening to the same three albums I have on my phone yet again. It's very difficult to resist the urge to sing and drum along, or at least to air drum along. I could use the excuse that it's been done before. Yes, drummer Alan White once told me that when he flew to Toronto in the late 1960s with John Lennon to do a concert from London, they rehearsed on the plane on the way over, and he used the headrests as drums. I'm sure that would get me banned. What has this got to do with dairy? Absolutely nothing. I do tend to go off on tangents, I know, with some of my strange stories. So let's get back on track with the news from the past week. On DairyReporter.com this week, there have been a lot of news stories. So many that I've already got next Monday's planned. So this week, Fonterra published its 2019 financials and announced a change of strategy. Emsur Madrid opened its new Spanish facilities to target the dairy market. Hopefully an interview on that coming up on the podcast very soon. Irish cooperative Orivo is investing in its sustainable liquid milk facility. The IDF was busy as it's having its annual get-together in Istanbul. It published its 2019 World Dairy Situation Report and it also marked World School Milk Day by working on some school milk programs. There was another even bigger Walmart China order for Ketone. Synergy Flavors has introduced its new dairy portfolio, Dairy by Nature, and Nestle is investing in its Spanish condensed milk factory. And that's not all. In Denmark, Arla is changing the color of its milk crates from the traditional green to black, and the reason being it's a more sustainable solution. In South Africa, the Milko-Clover merger has finally been approved, and that's probably enough for now. For Monday, as a sneak preview, we're working on our monthly roundup of some of the new products in the dairy aisles. There's a loan for Almarai. Lactalie is celebrating 20 years in Spain, and Niso has a new CEO. And there are more. 
But of course, as always, if you do have news for us, please send it along for us to use or even for us to feature on the podcast. And so let's get started. It's always great to feature a good news story, and we already published details about SIG getting involved in the Cartons for Good program to tackle food loss and malnutrition in Bangladesh. And so we spoke with SIG's Danai Windhaus, Group HR Manager, Transformation and Change, Matthias Krusche, Head of Global Market Insights, and Morshed Syed Kamal, Senior Product Manager from Global Marketing, about the program. So um, we have established the SID Way Beyond Good Foundation in 2018, and uh, the foundation, foundation envisions a future in which good nutrition and clean water will be available to everyone, and also natural habitats will be preserved for future generations. And for that, we partner with others, so NGOs, other companies, third parties, to really identify, drive, and promote activities and projects that on the one hand strengthen our civil society and also create positive impacts for the environment. Um, Carton for Good is uh, the foundation's flagship project and also at the moment the only project that the foundation is supporting. But uh, that does not mean that we are not already looking for next activities and projects to support. Um, Actually, we have a lot of passionate colleagues all around the world at SIG who are already strongly engaged in CSR activities. And yeah, we are pretty much convinced that one of these activities can also be the second project for our foundation. But at the moment, Carton for Good is the only project. How did you choose that particular project and how did you get involved in this this project? The idea of Carton for Good was born out of our global leadership meeting in 2016. So we have a leadership meeting every year. And in this particular meeting in 2016, um, we were looking at ways to make a positive impact on society and the environment. And we had the idea that we wanted to use the experience and expertise that we have as a solution provider of packaging and filling technology to help communities preserve surplus food locally. And we are piloting this project now in Bangladesh, where we yeah, have a situation that every harvest produces more food than farmers or communities can eat immediately. So on the other hand, they have no way to preserve their surplus crops or vegetables for future use. And that's the reason why some of the food goes to waste. And at the same time, we figured out that nearly 20% of the population in Bangladesh is undernourished and almost half of the children are underweight. So many children drop out of school because they need to work to feed themselves and their families. And that was exactly yeah, where we saw an opportunity to really support the communities on site and to make a difference with our project. So what we did is we created a unique mobile food filling solution um, that we can take to remote rural locations so that we can turn surplus food into meals and preserve them in SIG packs. For that, we have partnered with Forum for the Future and also BRAC, which is um, the largest NGO in the world, to help us realize this ambition. Farmers are now being paid for their vegetables, um, providing them with much needed income, and also the packs of food um, are used by local schools to provide a healthy and hot meal for children every day. 
We have sent the mobile food filling unit from Germany to Bangladesh at the end of 2018. And uh, now um, we are already providing WEC schools with these hot and uh, healthy meals for the children. And also we took care that um, at the end, after the use, the packs are sent to recycling locally so that we really make sure that we don't have any package waste on the streets of Bangladesh, but rather that is being recycled. Obviously, when you start a new project like this, there are a lot of technical details involved. How much innovation did you have to apply to this project? Um, I mean, obviously, as you know, SAG is really, I mean, is not a newcomer to providing solutions for the food and beverage industry. So we do obviously have our expertise when it comes to filling food and beverage products in, into carton packs uh, and, and you know, preserving for longer periods. So that obviously came into play and of course, you know, really helped us in, in setting out on that ambitious uh, vision, which Danai just described of developing such a mobile unit. Um, but that's also what's the key challenge, really scaling down our existing solutions, our existing filling machines down to a solution which could be included into a 20 feet overseas container. So really scaling all our existing solutions down and making sure that they fit the container, that it could be moved from one location to the other, while also keeping it easy to maintain for those people who should eventually operate that, that, that overseas container and that mobile food filling unit. And that, that goes from how do we actually cut vegetables once they're being delivered by the farmers, how do we actually fill it into our carton packs, how do we preserve them, etc. So while, of course, you know, some innovation was needed, we really stayed also close to our core on that aspect, but also really relied on all the enthusiasm of our colleagues. Were there any specific issues that you had to overcome for this project, thinking of things such as infrastructure and temperature? Obviously, I mean, that, that's a fair question. And we, I mean, matter of fact, we did face quite a few, yes. let's say, hurdles, challenges along the way. I mean, that, that started, of course, that, you know, Sometimes, you know, power supply is not, you know, that reliable on yeah. certain remote locations in Bangladesh. So you need a, like a generator um, that, that needs to be included into, yeah. the, into the mobile food filling unit. Uh, also, I mean, how do we make sure that, you know, everything's kept clean, that we can ensure safety standards? Um, obviously, these are all questions that we did face uh, and that we need to face or need to find solutions for. So absolutely, uh, we need to adapt it to, to local requirements. And I suppose communications could be an issue as well. No, exactly. And, and that's why we were also, when we set out to, to identify a, a region we want to start this pilot with, we obviously said, you know, one of the key requirements to do so is really have a local presence there. So we need to have some SSG colleagues on the ground who can support us also exactly for that reason, right? You know, ensuring communications with the communities, but also our um, local um, NGO partner, BRAC. So not only from, you know, how reliable is the, the mobile network, but also really, you know, communicating with all involved parties is a big, big part of, of making this project into a successful one. And what's the reaction been like on the ground in Bangladesh? I, being a Bangladeshi team member, probably I can uh, give some feedback from here yeah. about this. Really positively accepted uh, by the local community because uh, uh, not we are not, not only supporting the farmers and we are uh, generating some uh, employment of, of, from the local people, both male and female. So it has been really appreciated by the local people. Uh, we are, and they know that we are helping the farmers to, uh, to solve their food loss issue. That is also really appreciated. And uh, moreover, the children who were not getting food 
and otherwise they probably need to go for work to manage their uh, food uh, and that has been solved to some extent and uh, we are working on that. So this is, uh, these are the three major things which has been highly appreciated by uh, local people uh, and the local community. And moreover, it, it's, a, it's not very common that uh, recycling thing. So when we showed that we are doing the recycling of the pack, that is also a eye-opener for the local people. Going to, to Bangladesh and you know having this exchange with the farmers, with the communities, I mean, it also really created some kind of excitement, I, I yeah. would say, right, from my perspective on there, and to see that, you know, SSG or a company like SSG would come to their community, um, you know, ask, you know, where do you face problems regarding food loss? How can we help? Um, just triggering and initiating that exchange, I think, was really appreciated, exactly. right? And then also in the community that is now a pilot region, Balia, I think that there's just, yeah, excitement, and, uh, yeah, they're yeah. really looking forward to this. Right? Yeah. Uh, as a uh, pe uh, people of Bangladesh, they're a bit emotional, frankly speaking. So it really created uh, like very, very positive, and they always talk about this. Like uh, when SIG is going there, talking about their food laws, how we can address and how can we help them. That really a different thing for uh, for Bangladeshi people and especially the rural people over there. And I, I imagine you, when you mentioned all that enthusiasm from the local people, do they have input as well, or do, do they tell you things that they would like to see, or ways in which they would like to to be able to help out? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think um, this was also in our first visit to Bangladesh. I think what we did is really we tried to understand what are the problems on site. I think that was for us the most important thing. So when we started this initiative, and as I've mentioned at the very beginning, came up with this idea in the global leadership meeting, we always thought of um, preserving the food, for example, for the farmers themselves, right, so that they can consume it at a later point of time. But then in Bangladesh, we learned that this is not the issue that they have, right? So they can access their crops and vegetables throughout all the years, still they have to throw it away. But other uh, parts of the communities, like the school children in the cities, for example, they face this problem with um, malnourishment. And we tried really to understand how can we make an impact locally and how can we solve their problems. And this was really also interesting for us to really understand what is going on on site and how can we have and not only have our, I would say, European glasses on and look at this issue from, from Europe, but also to understand what is going on on site. And I think that also is part why this project yeah, is so successful and also that people on site accept um, and appreciate what we are doing. You mentioned the European glasses thing there. I wonder, yeah. obviously, when, when you have a plan like this and you go to implement it, you, you hope everything runs smoothly, but have you had to make some changes since it was implemented? Yeah, for example, um, when we talk about mobility, so we always thought, okay, it's easy to bring the container from one place to the other, from one farming region to the other farming region, but being there, we really re recognize that it's not that easy as we thought. For example, the streets are not that good. We can even not call them streets, I would say, so they are very bumpy, which also affects, of course, the technology inside the overseas container that we want to transport from farming region A to B. So also there we need to uh, make yeah, some, some adaptions with regard to the concept and also 
still we are thinking about how we can make this better and that we really can also overcome these challenges. Exactly. I think it's also part of the, the learning curve that we probably all expected to, to come. But mm. of course, as you just said, you know, and once you embark on such a journey, you know, a lot of new questions do come up and are, are getting raised that you then need to, to solve not on the spot almost, yeah. right? So it definitely was very exciting, um, but also I think everybody was really, you know, happy once we wanted to solve all major roadblocks and really got it to start up. I would imagine as well that just seeing the impact that it's having on the people there would be very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, even more. I mean, honestly, even more so for us Europeans. But I mean, because we're not, you know, of course for us, it's you know, it's really exciting going to Bangladesh in the first place. But but then being able to really go to, um, you know, to those schools where you know are they're catering towards uh, underprivileged children, seeing how great of a job they're doing there to begin with, and then being able to to kind of contribute to that. I think that's super rewarding. Yeah. And of course, I like being part of that. That's a totally a different experience of our life. It's like something beyond our professional life. It's a it's a big big thing for us. Yeah. And and now that you've got some of these issues out of the way and it's been running a while, in the future is this something that you could extend to other areas in Bangladesh or even to other countries? Yeah, as we discussed, like uh, we are learning each and every day, and we we have we have overcome different challenges and hurdles now in a stable situation. So now we have the dream to extend the project to other areas. Like firstly, uh, we are planning to cover more schools and school children in Bangladesh. Uh, we are currently providing school meal to four black schools. Uh, and therefore we have decided and we are planning to extend it to few more schools uh, to cover new or more school children. And secondly, we are also evaluating how to provide support to more farmers of Bangladesh. You know, there are many farmers uh, who are in very remote areas and they are not getting uh, right price or, or opportunity to sell their product uh, in, in the peak season. So we are also evaluating that how can we provide support to those farmers uh, to get the right price and how to process their vegetable during the peak season. This is our, also in our consideration. And thirdly, we are also considering to extend our cartons for good project in other countries as well. Here, uh, some African countries are in our consideration as there is also incidences of food loss in African countries. So we are, we are uh, checking and we are evaluating what are the options we can extend our support and do more good to people, to humanity, and for the greater welfare of the farmers as well as school children, especially underprivileged school children. So clearly social issues and sustainability are all core values of SIG. I mean, absolutely. As I said, I mean, sustainability is really uh, is at our core of our strategy, right? And through Cards for Good, as it's really as one of our flagship projects as part of the foundation, it's really allowing us to explore actually new models, right? support um, global sustainable development goals, but also yeah, to contribute to communities and to, to give back right, on our journey to, to our net, net positive approach. Right? So it goes hand in hand from our perspective. From, from SIG point of view, uh, from, uh, we, want, we always try to think from way beyond good from, from the natural resources point of view. 
also climate change point of view and from people and communities point of view. And from that, we SIG as an organization, we want uh, we want to develop forests by using only FSC certified liquid liquid package. One thing, uh, of course, uh, we want to use 100% uh, renewable materials. And from the carbon uh, climate change point of view, we want to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and low, uh, developing carbon with lowest environment footprint. And if we go to our way beyond good for people and community, of course, first of all, we will highlight on the, our Cartons for Good, which is our flagship project right at this moment, where we are trying to provide support to the farmers to improve their livelihood and promoting children's nutrition and education and cutting the food waste. And at the same time, we are supporting customers in delivering safe, sustainable and affordable products as well. So SIG as an organization, uh, we are trying to address different social issues and also focusing on the sustainability issue as well. And now we talk to Melissa Fryer, Business Development Manager, GPHE Dairy Markets at Alpha Laval, about the company's participation in Process Expo, which is coming up very soon in Chicago, Illinois. In fact, it takes place from October the 8th to the 11th at McCormick Place, and there's definitely a big dairy component to the event. So will you be going to the event? Yes, I will. Okay. I am. Uh, I've been the kind of uh, Alpha Laval uh, member for their uh, the dairy processing um, system that they're going to be having there. So we have some components that are that are going to be on this dairy processing system. And what does Alpha Laval's participation involve? Well, a large booth there, you know, as part of the trade show, and then SPSA has put together five active processing lines for this show. So one of the processing lines that they have is a, they're doing a cheese production line. So we're actively participating in that line by putting in some components and be, being part of the demonstrations that they'll be doing on that line several times a day. I know that when you go to some events, it's just static machinery that is turned off. So obviously you're doing a lot more than that. It's going to be moving parts in this one. Yeah, with these processing lines, there'll be several parts of it that are moving. I mean, I'm I'm part of the the pasteurizing part of it, and we're, we're not actually going to be pasteurizing any milk. Not that you could see the flow through the heat exchanger or the tubes anyways, but in terms of some of the packaging part of that, that system, that will be actively working. And then in our booth itself, we'll have several uh, working demos for some of our, our equipment. And you do have a lot of products for the dairy industry. Yes. Yep. For the dairy industry and beyond, you know, with this, this um, show being food processing overall. Is the company launching anything new at the event? Oh, yeah. We actually have eight new products this year, which is more than we've ever had. Normally, we only do one or two new products. So there are several new that we'll be, that we'll be showcasing at the show. All right. Do any of those have any dairy relevance? Yeah, we have a new uh, think top for our valves for some automation and control on those valves. We have a twin screw pump. We have some uh, paint cleaning and different types of mixer technology. We have a full range of heat exchanger plates, but the new one that we're specifically showing is more for the utility side, which can be used in dairies, but more on the utility side, not on the product side itself. So I guess this is a pretty important show for your company. Yes, absolutely. This is uh, the main show that we'll be um, exhibiting at for this year. 
And how often has Alpha Laval attended the event? Alpha Laval has been involved with it since the first year of the Process Expo, where it uh, had kind of broken off from a, a joint venture of several different groups. And, and how has it changed over the years? Uh, well, with, with this show specifically, different groups have partnered together for different types of shows. This is, I think, the second time where it's a standalone show, um, and they re- they're really working um, hard to be a full food processing show, um, so to concentrate on dairy and beyond, different beverage. Um, they have a pet food line, so it's really you know, perfectly tailored for the whole food market. We have a large booth this year with a lot of new products that will be you know, new, new and existing products. You know, I, I concentrated on the heat exchanger portion, so we'll have uh, a sampling of all of our different types of plates there. Um, as part of the dairy processing line, we have our automatic closure heat exchanger, which we'll be showcasing there, which is used you know, a lot in the United States for our large dairy producers, especially the, the cheese processors who are um, operating at very high flow rates. And then we'll also have some of our Contherm, our scrape surface product, displayed as well. Sounds like it's a must-attend event for dairy processors. I, th- I think this pro- these processing lines that they've put together are a really helpful way. You know, you're not kind of looking at just a singular piece of equipment. You're seeing how everything kind of fits together. Um, you know, so from our equipment to you know other companies and, and how this whole line fits together and, and works. So I think that's a really nice component of this show. Are there any other ways in which it's different to other events? Um, just a lot of the promotion that's being done. Um, they're really, um, FPSA is really working hard to you know, to get people, again, across all sectors to be at the show, uh, to, to have a lot of foot traffic to make this a, a good show. And now it's time for our weekly look at the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton from INTL FC Stone. Prices in the dairy market for fat uh, took a particular hit this week. More selling uh, came to the market and, and pushed prices a lot lower in butter and, and cream. Cream, which you know previously had a very strong three to four week period and got above the 5,000 level, uh, which was about a rally of 1,000 euros in that period, has taken an equally fast sell-off. Uh, in the space of the last two, three weeks, it has dropped about 750 euros a tonne to the 4,250 level. This seems to be the only accounting really we can give for the gyrations in the butter prices in the in the last number of weeks. Uh, there's been no real big change in supply and demand. If anything, I suppose German and French milk supply numbers have been relatively strong. Quarter four butter was down about 175 euros to the 36.50 level. Quarter one butter then was down about 100 euros to 3700 and uh, quarter two in 2020 lost 50 euros a ton to, to bring it to the 37.75 level. Skimmel powder was remaining resilient um, with, I suppose, chat of O'Neill being back in the market or people expecting it from a time perspective that they should be back in the market. Word locally is that uh, demand hasn't been spectacular and that there's probably still quite a bit of stock sitting around. Quarter four was up about 50 euros a ton to 23.75. Uh, quarter one skim was up about 25 euros to 23.75. And uh, quarter two remained flat at the same level of 23.75, also uh, same as quarter one. Whey was slightly stronger, closer to the 6.75 level. Thanks, Liam. We'll catch up with you again next week. 
INTL FC Stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's it for another exhausting week. We now have a couple of days to recover before starting it all again, and unfortunately it won't be an outdoors kind of weekend again here because the forecast app on my phone seems to be broken. It just says rain for 20 days. We're thinking of asking the local council to rename our road as a river. Anyway, we already have some interviews lined up for next week, so hopefully you will join us again for Podcast 52, which will be in October, and that will give me the opportunities to subject you to some of the strange days that are celebrated in that month. And Halloween doesn't count, that's too obvious. All right, until next time, have a great week, and as always, thanks for listening.